I'm having that thing right now where I just so I watched Russian Doll when it came out, but I didn't finish it because I'm bad at finishing series. And then I watched I watched the rest of it tonight and I'm just like really emotional about it. And it's so uh it's a lot. It's gonna be okay. Um, <laughs> you're gonna be okay. <laughs> Hey, it's Mike, and we're back with another episode of Working It Out, this time with Natasha Leone. She's the writer, director, uh, co-creator, and star of Russian Doll, which is one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. It was nominated for 13 Emmys. It won three Emmys. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. I couldn't recommend it more highly. She also recently directed uh, another Working It Out guest, Sarah Cooper, did a special on Netflix called Everything's Fine. Natasha directed and produced it. It is off the wall. It is hilarious. It's bizarre. It's I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. Uh, I really wanted to have Natasha on today to talk about Russian Doll and, and its relation in some ways to the YMCA pool show that I'm developing, which is all about death. And Russian Doll is all about death. And, uh, and we had a great talk, and I learned so much from talking to her. Oh, one note is when she's talking about Fred, she's talking about her significant other, uh, the great Fred Armisen from Saturday Night Live, Portlandia, etc. She calls him Freddy. Enjoy my chat with Natasha Leone. Well, first of all, I, we're allowed to say you're writing the second season, right? Yes. Okay. <sighs> okay. There's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> so, so when you and Fred, am I allowed to say your boyfriend Fred? Yeah, you're at public stuff together. You know, I feel like it's it is official. <laughs> so you and Fred came to see my Broadway show, the new one, and then we went out to dinner afterwards. And you, Jen just reminded me of this. You really sort of just said like, yeah, I get this thing, Russian Doll, and, you know, it's weird. And, but you know, I don't know if people are going to like, you know, like it was you really had you downplayed it so much and then I'm watching it and I'm like I I you know tonight I'm crying and I'm like this is one of the best things I've ever seen thank you um yeah you know I don't fuck around so um <laughs> you know kind of my mo no fucking around yeah, yeah um, sure sure but uh I loved your play that was a great night we had it was a, that was a great New York night. And, and you, you said something to me when you came backstage that I take with me to this very day. Because I think you're, in addition to being a hilarious person, you're a very wise person and a very generous person. You said to me, you go, you, and I don't, look. I'll I'll affect your voice a little bit, but other people do it much better. Like I, Melissa Villasenor, I think, does it. I think Chloe Feynman does it. 
But do you do you like when people impersonate you or not? I like it so much that I asked Fred for my funeral to just put <laughs> together. Because, you know, I, I, I was close with Nora Ephron. And I'm, I'm dropping that name as yeah, a sure. big Why deal. Not? Why not? I, I like to think that Nora Ephron was my mom and Lou Reed was my dad. Um, so, and I really, I really, man, did I cry when those people died. Like, <sighs> I did not cry yeah. for my own parents. And um, yeah. I really love them both, and I, I I knew them both, Nora, much more. But um, but her funeral, you know, was uh, famously organized in advance. So I always think that it's, you know, I got to get ahead of that, but I'm not as organized, clearly, as, you know, one of the all-time human beings. Uh, and um, But I, I have pre-organized with Fred that I want people to do their impression, because, you know, it's like just over the Maya and—, and um, and Amy and Fred and, and Kevin Corrigan and Chloe and Melissa, like you said, you know, I, I, there's just like, I, it, it really, it brings me great joy. But I also, I recently found um, um, Micah Gardner, who was the editor of this Sarah Cooper thing I just did. He, yeah, he showed yeah. me this, uh, Which I love. this uh, YouTube of Angelo Adelmonte um, sort of recreating alone what it was like to create the score for... Uh, Twin Peaks with David Lynch, but David Lynch was not in the YouTube video. So now I've also added that I want them to play that YouTube. Oh um, it's a lot of like Angelo oh moaning. That's yeah, oh, great. It's a hell of a YouTube. A hell of a YouTube. <laughs> it's a hell of a YouTube. So you came back at the Court Theater on Broadway and you go, you go, Mike, if I made a show like that, I wouldn't feel like I would have to do anything for 10 years. <laughs> And I swear to God, like, I, I don't know if you feel like this. I feel so much pressure to create all the time. It's like you can't keep up with the pace at which people consume things. And so you, someone I, I respect so much, saying, like, don't worry about the next 10 years. Like, you just did that. It just made me, it took a load off. I mean, it's true, though, right? I mean, I always think about um, Carrie Fisher as, like, a template. I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. you do some... You got to figure out your Star Wars, I guess, at some point to kick it off. <laughs> Still working on that. You get your postcards from the edge. You know, yeah. you write some memoirs. You do your wishful drinking. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you work it. And then you take it to Broadway. You film it as a special and you keep it moving. You know what I mean? Like, how many things do we really need to say, this is my shtick? Um, but... So, you know, yeah, I really felt that way about your show. Like, this is a big, this is a big one. This is a big wishful drinking you did. You know, it's kind of wow. like. Um, but um, I always think of that. The Elaine Stritch at Liberty or the whatever, the Spalding Gray. I mean, like, those are big kahunas. And they shouldn't be. I mean, those I mean, people are motherfuckers and so are you. That they can, you know, you guys can keep making them. Um, but. Uh, one should be sufficient, is my <laughs> one should point. Be sufficient. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how mm. much does any one person really have to say? Like, I often think about that, and I think about that a lot with sure. young people. I'm like, you know, go get some fucking life experience. I mean, Jesus yeah. walked, you know, Muhammad walked, Buddha walked. Yeah. Like, get a little bit of fucking life in you if uh, you want to have a round two and a second big speech to make. Right, and that's sort of like the the big existential stuff that Russian Doll I think does so well, and like that I'm I'm really trying to crack in my next show that I'm I'm working on. I'll I'll work out some material that, uh, with you uh, later on in the show today, but like 
the, the next show I'm working on is called YMCA Pool. And it's all about hitting middle age and being like, oh, I, I, you know, <laughs> natural causes are coming. Like you can just sort of see it it's fucking for the first weird. time. Like, it's fucking weird. You know, what the fuck? Like, it actually just, we're just these rotting, you know, yeah. masses. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is dark. That Bananas. is yeah. creepy as hell. And this COVID shit is like, the lockdown, I'm literally, I think I'm 300 years old. I mean, I am just <laughs> melting. And periodically, like, I have to pull it together to do a Zoom. And I'm like, oh, do I still look like that? Or am I this fucking oh, I monster that I see in, like, the upside-down camera and the fucking black oh, mirror gosh. that are, is this fucking cell phone? Like, because that, oh, mother- that motherfucker is, is not a pretty picture. And... Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it comes for all of us. Uh, no, there was, there was a, there was an article this week, a science article that was like, COVID may be, you know, aging all of us by, <laughs> you know, more years. And it's like, yeah, we know. Like, you don't have to give us the science article. I, I really, I, you know, I, whatever, you know, my version of a joke, which is just uh, nothing. Um, but, um, you know, I really talk about a lot like that. I, I, cause I am dead serious about wanting these fucking AI organs. I feel like we are so <laughs> close to the future. I mean, it is 2020, like movies yes. that were set in the future, a long, long past, like 2001 fucking space status. We're 19 years past that. They could yeah. not imagine that the greatest minds of all time could not conceive of a year past 2001, you know, 1999 Prince, like, yeah. you know, yeah. and here we are. I'm like, surely they are going to come up with something and I can step into a pod and come out yep. fully. Like there's two things I think about. I like that Futurama where they got the, just the brains in a bubble. I like that. And yeah. there's like an old Kurt Vonnegut from welcome to the monkey house. And they're kind of, you know, going through, it seems like a rocket close for the night. Do you want to be Danny DeVito? You want to be uh, Grace Jones? What's the look for tonight is what you realize they're doing. They're just like two souls who are about to zip on full exterior outfits. And I'm like, that would be great. See, I could really get into that. Yeah, that's a good one. I could get into that. That's actually one of the ideas I've kicked around for YMCA Pool is this idea that like, what if we are the last generation right before they figure out how to live forever. Oh, that would be fucked up. There's something about that that, that, that that's crushing. But at least now, you know, you have a kid, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but oh, so, so the, um, so we're talking about, like, championing other people, and it's like, the you, you did that recently. You directed and produced Sarah Cooper's special, Everything's Fine, which is so good. And that's how we started talking, actually, when that came out, I was just like, I just had to talk to you about it because it's so, like, she became famous during the pandemic for these TikTok videos where she's just, like, lip-syncing Trump and uh, they just became, like, a sensation. I mean, really, like, a sensation. Like, they're wildly popular. But they're very mainstream. But then you made this special with Sarah called Everything's Fine where she plays... Uh, like a morning TV anchor who is kind of slowly losing her mind in, <laughs> in kind of like a, a network kind of way. And 
it's beautiful. I mean, it really is. It's out. It's 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 absurdist and it's funny and it's it, but it's dark, like really dark. And I was just, <laughs> I was just like, whoa. When I saw, I was like, I was like, I can't believe they did. They like they even got to do this. Yeah, I mean, she's she's extraordinary, and I I think like, you know, Maya and I were so excited and and Paula Pell like to discover that um you know she was so weird you know what I mean like because you're yeah. seeing something but you know uh like you know many brilliant original people they have a really specific and cracked point of view um yeah and that's what makes them like special and makes them you know pop so it was very fun to say, obviously, like it was a really specific, uh, you know, um, I mean, we did the whole thing in, you know, weeks, uh, yeah. it was so extreme, the kind of turnaround for getting it out before the election. And yeah, I mean, we only met Sarah on zoom. I, we didn't meet her in person wow. until like, you know, the, the day before we were shooting, it was really wow. wild. And so you're kind of just like getting people's like, you know, raw brains and like what they're into. And, uh, you yeah. know, I do, I think now I'm also like crashing a bit because the sort of pace of it was so, you know, it was like we're in pre-production on Russian doll. And then like everybody else, of course, like the whole world, you know, shut down. Wow. And then, you know, it was like sort of like six months in the house. Um, I got really <laughs> good at Zelda. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's something. But you know what's a funny uh, peak? You know what's a oh, oh wait, this is oh that oh, was a mistake. Okay. I wasn't trying to Facetime you. <laughs> so, I just couldn't get it up. It wasn't <laughs> enough that you were on my computer or my phone. I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna Facetime him too. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm, just, I just so listeners understand. TV? All of a sudden, we're, we're talking on the phone, <laughs> and then it's Natasha Leone is Facetiming you. Like, huh? Well, we are recording on both of our computers <laughs> and talking on the, the phone. the phone and the computer in the microwave just to see <laughs> what happens. And, uh, you know. You know, we yes, could FaceTime. I mean, I guess. Sure. I mean, do we I, have to? I mean, like, I what's know. a face? What's a face? <laughs> uh, mine's 20 years older than it was six months ago. So, uh, the oh, so to give people a peek behind the curtain, like the... I actually called you. I was like, you know, we should have on this podcast, we should have you and Fred come on because you two together. I was like, I was literally thinking of the dinner we had in New York. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we should recreate that just on a right on the podcast. Um, and and you made this point about Fred, which I thought was so astute, but all but uh, you know, you were just like you were like, no, 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 he does, he does bits. He's like, you're like, I don't do bits. You know, he's the bits guy. You know, have him on a separate episode. You have me on one. And then you go, this is the best part of all. You go, you make a movie with me and Fred. He goes, you put us in, you know, we play a couple. You write the movie, you direct the movie. We make a little movie, you know. Well, because I'm really like a very game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I yeah, really sure. Love- and I think it's also that I'm like, what else am I doing? I mean, I don't have kids. So I'm like, you call me on the phone. You want to spend time with me and Fred? Go make a movie. That's what you do. You're a filmmaker, right? So like, <laughs> whatever. I'm convinced that we're, I'm convinced we're going to make a movie together. When I watch Russian Doll and I watch the way you're performing, I, I, I think to myself, 
that's the way when I work with actors, that's the way, that's what I want them to do, which is that you're, you're giving in whatever you're doing, you're just giving into the scene. And it's actually transporting me in a way that this completely alt reality, which is what Russian doll is, feels like it is my reality when I'm watching it. Yeah, thanks. You know, it's, um, it's a, that's a wild one. I mean, first of all, so I mean, like Leslie Headland and Jamie Babbitt, who are the two other directors on the show, are just incredible. And also, like, I, I know them well, you know what I mean? So it's that yeah. thing of, um, you know, like Leslie and I are very tight in real life long before making that show together. And Jamie Babbitt, obviously, I've been working with since But a Mature Leader, which is like somehow 20 years ago. And, wow. um, and then, of course, like, I have this, you know, lived experience that I'm bringing to the table and sort of putting on the page. And uh, there's, I found it immensely helpful to be writing, you know, my own material and also, like, uh, you know, there with, you know, w- with Leslie, with um, Jamie, you know, and but really, like, that it was ours and not that yeah. I was kind of like performing for somebody in a way. I think there was like a real um, comfort in that. Also, I just think, yeah, like so often I think I've been um, like afraid of being uh, weird or other or like yeah. not whatever this uh, Aryan dream boat that's supposed to be the ideal. <laughs> and, yes. you know, like that typology is so far removed from something I was able to attain. I don't even think I really identified with it. Like, you know, even when I would see sort of like Jenna Rollins, I'd be like, ah, but Peter Falk, I could do, you know? And yeah. um, I, uh, so it, the, just the idea that the setup for that was sort of like asking to bring that as opposed to bury it um, was very comforting. You know what I mean? Like that we were sort yeah, of building sense. a character around that. And that is also even just to like, even just from an acting level to know what sort of, you know, a lot of times, like, you'll get a, a script and you're on set, and I've been doing this for, what, uh, 35 years, right? Um, yeah, and yeah. you get to set, and, like, historically, I used to think, like, oh, surely, like, the writer, like, every ellipsis here really means something. Yeah. And come to discover, once you're actually, you know, writing it, that oftentimes things are even, like, an omit because they you couldn't get access to the deli, so you had to move the scene to being inside yeah, a car. that's right. And that's, that's right. why it feels like there's this invisible jump that the character yeah. is supposed to make from, how did I go from the apartment to the car? Like, it just doesn't yeah. make sense, but you, yeah. you're trying to kind of infuse it with this, you know, you're giving other people this magic power of surely they know. And just to even know that there were those injuries in the scripts, but... I knew how they got there. It was like I was able to sort of fold that into the performance, make those leaps and those connections much easier because I knew where they were coming from, like what used to be there. So I always knew what I was actually playing or what our intention had been. Yes. You know, no, like, I, yeah, I get that. I get that when I'm watching it in a big, big fucking way. Makes a big difference. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, just to jump around a, a, a second, I, I want to point out. I'd be remiss. I, I and I, this might not go anywhere, but the you know the show deals with like timelines and space and time continuum and a lot of stuff like that. You and I were on each other's timeline, uh, whether you realized it or not, because when I w- was moved to New York in the early two thousands, I had an improv group of my best friends called Little Man, and we performed at UCB Theater. And afterwards, we'd go to McManus Bar, which I'm sure you've. You've spent time at McMahon's Bar, right? A lot of time. Horatio and Jake, a lot of time. Yeah. 
And so to, to me, in my Mike Birbiglia timeline, you, Natasha Leone and Horatio Sands were the cool celebrities at the same bar as our little stupid improv group. And we were like, we're cool because they're here. Ah, old New York. Um, <laughs> yeah. Old New York. You know, yeah, I mean, I, man, we spent a lot of time in there. A lot of time. Same, same. So much yeah. time at McManus. And yeah, I really, I, I do, I do miss all that. It's so, it's, I have such a, you know, weird relationship with, um, like, I just always been surrounded by funny people. And like, I was always just trying to be like fucking De Niro or Scorsese. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, but then I, was, I guess yeah. I look back and it was like, I guess Pee Wee Herman, I guess Mike Nichols and Nora Ephron are my first job, then Pee Wee Herman, then Woody Allen, people who's wow. very popular now. And then <laughs> Slums of Beverly Hills was like Alan Arkin and Carl Reiner, you know? Oh, I, yeah, so I'm like, sure. oh, I guess I've sort of, you know, maybe I was funny or something. Yeah. And maybe I, because I was always around everybody and like never quite, you know, I think I always just, love funny people so much because they're so close to music in a way to me. Yes, like, yes, there's a musicality. You know, there's, there's something about like when you're laughing hysterically, there's like something happens to the air in the room where you're no longer present. And I think as somebody who just, you know, whether it's a, the surrealist in me or just like somebody who enjoys um, alternate states or something, you you can access it so easily and freely when people are hysterically funny. Um, and so... You know, it's like a freebie. It's like, you know, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's very much like music. Stepping away from my chat with Natasha Leone to send a shout out to Magic Spoon Cereal. I love Magic Spoon. End of commercial. We must say nothing else. No, it's uh, it's just tastes great. And it's it's got no sugar. It's got 11 grams of protein. There's four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free, all the frees, except you have to pay for it. At magicspoon.com, use code BURBIGS at checkout to get free shipping, and you can also build your own custom variety box. That segues perfectly into our next sponsor, ShipStation.com. My brother Joe was explaining this to me. So when we do these virtual shows, he uh, there's a premium ticket where you get like a vinyl record of Thank God for Jokes or the new one. And 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 he uses ShipStation.com. It's it's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage and ship orders. In in a few clicks, you're printing out discounted shipping labels, getting your products out fast. He skips the line, and then it's done. And people glare at him, and they're furious. And that's just Joe's life. Right now, working out listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the offer code BURBIGS at ShipStation.com today. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in BURBIGS, that's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code BURBIGS. And now back to the show. I have this thing on the on the show uh, that's called a slow round, and it's just sort of it's just sort of like prompts, memories, things like that. Um, 
do you remember a smell from your childhood? Uh, I I don't know. I would say, look, I mean, I have obviously a lot. For some reason, the first thing that popped in my mind was tinfoil, but I have no idea why. I think that might be my own <laughs> life. Um, the smell of burning tinfoil. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's my own um, time spent alone. Um, I... Uh, what do you mean uh, it's your own time spent alone? Listen, you know, you're not, you're not, you might think you're having a midlife crisis, but you're not grown up enough to understand what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, <laughs> then I was like, maybe that's connected to during Passover. You have to wrap the, you know, the the chametz in the tinfoil. And I kind of went there. I don't know why that was my first thought. And then it was quickly followed by... Um, you know, like, you know, we lived in Israel for two years when I was wow. a, a kid from the ages of eight to 10. So I was like in New York, they moved to Israel for tax evasion. And then I moved back to New York when I'm 10 years old. So until wow. eight, I'm in New York, eight to 10, I'm in Israel. Oh and gosh. then 10 to 300, uh, I'm back in New York. <laughs> and um, and so, I, but I definitely remember like, just that, like the, the balmy difference of that air of like landing off that like El Al flight and being like, where the fuck am I? Like, I am not yeah, in New York yeah. anymore. Cause it was like sort of like this desert breeze that was totally like unfamiliar to wow. my DNA of like one. palm trees and like flat roads and just like emptiness. Um, and so I have a lot of memories of that. Like, but that, that was in, are you saying that was in Israel? Yeah. And like, wow. so I can really remember sort of like, I think that's the most um, sort of like specific set of memories I have in a weird way of just almost like, what was that time? I'm sure a lot of kids yeah. who kind of like lived in a different country for a couple of years when they're yeah. like, cause you know, it's it's all so foreign and it was just like, oh, these are like Greek aqueducts in the ocean. And like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I remember- Prior to that, yeah. like my parents had like split up for a summer and I was like living in some weird like sofa, one bed, you know, fucking wow. studio apartment with my mom in the city. Like, you know, it was so different than my life. And so I think I've, and I have a lot of memories of, um, you know, like my parents always had like Rottweilers and German Shepherds and yeah. I can really remember like the dogs around and stuff. Yeah. There's, there's so many of them. I mean, I wouldn't even know. Uh where to begin, but, and I also really have a lot of like, very um, like city kid, Times Square, like audition memories, you know what I mean? Of like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that are super weird. It's almost like taxi driver memories of an old New York that's no longer there. And like wow. going into weird office buildings and like go sees, you know, I was also like a kid model. You like go to these weird rooms and stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, wow. There's a, bit of a whole bunch. I mean, I'm sure everybody, uh, you know, must have uh, countless ones. Um, when you were, I think when I, I think the first time I saw you in something was in Woody Allen's movie "Everyone Says I Love You." I think that's when I first saw you. We I see. We do about an hour on Woody Allen. What do I you know. Say? I know. I know. I think that that'd be good for both of us. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> listen, that movie was. I like, uh, you know, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was so, I mean, talk about also like scared. It really is, um, you know, uh, I guess it doesn't seem likely that I'll be going back and working with him anytime soon, but it was like, it was <laughs> so, you know, uh, I was so young. I was like 15, 16 yeah. and playing his daughter and uh, and Goldie Hawn's daughter and like everybody and their mother was in that movie. Like, Yeah, um, yeah. And, 
Like I actually, that love, I actually love that movie. I love that movie. Yeah. I'll never forget, though, my mom leaning over to me at the end of the movie, at the end of the premiere, she leaned over and she said, not his best, huh? Oh, my God. And oh, my God. That's honestly the only review I remember. The movie. Every time the movie comes up, I'm instantly ashamed because I can just remember oh. my mother saying not his best. So I'm like, I guess it was, I, I ruined the movie. Like, that was, I think. <laughs> What's the best uh, piece of advice that anyone's ever given you that that sort of worked? You know, um, uh, Dan Pasternak, who was like a, a yeah. you know, so he once told me something like I'd taken like some some general with him, like right in my sort of like round two post drugs coming back. And he was like, this is great. Sounds like you've really developed the talent to back up the talent. And that's what it's about, you know? Oh, interesting. And, wow. The talent to back up the talent. Yeah. And I really, you know, I still think about that. That's like a, a big one for me because it's kind of like, it's one thing to, you know, have goods. It's another thing to actually have the, uh, you know, ability to have the goods. And, um, you know, meaning you really got to like- Talent to have the talent. That is yeah. really brilliant. Like, I'm just trying to un unpack that. Like, like- there's a lot of people who are talented and then it's almost like you're the guardian of the talent in, in a certain way. And, and being a guardian of the talent is a challenging thing to do. Yeah. I mean, because there's, you know, head trips abound. I mean, and yes, that sure. goes for every single person on the planet. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, the Elaine stretch or whatever, like everybody has a bag of rocks, you know, like that is not, What's that? You I don't know, know town that. town specific. It's in the documentary about her. Um, it's like her husband says to her at some point, like, Elaine, everybody has a bag of rocks. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, do those rocks bury you? Or do you figure out how to oh, kind of like wow. carry your load? And, wow. um, and that's not just obviously in the arts. That's a full-blown you know, in this life thing for, for absolutely everyone. Um, and, you know, obviously, a bag of rocks. you know, we're, we're talking about like, uh, talent, like it's special to, 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 you know, uh, something, but it's obviously, it's, I mean, specific to everything. I mean, you gotta have like the talent to back up the talent to like, you know, persevere through another fucking 24 hour shift at the hospital and you're a nurse yeah. and people are dying. Yeah. Do you have the talent to back up the talent? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you know, if you have this gift of like being able to like live a life in service of others, how are you taking care of that gift? Um, so meaning like, you know, I don't think that it's specific um, to, you know, writing and acting or some shit. I think that it's much bigger than that as an idea. Um, you know, like, do you have the talent to back up the talent of like, you're a good loving parent, but like, you know, you're putting the fucking whatever um, air mask on yourself first. You know what I mean? Like it's based that whole basic idea. Um, I, I feel like you, like almost as much as anyone I could think of in the arts or entertainment, I feel like you have probably more wisdom and and just like fortitude to like bounce back from stuff like you like i mean i don't know what stuff you talk about publicly or not talk about but like you had you know drugs and recovery issues and all these things that were 
really serious and like could have killed you. And obviously there's like themes of that in Russian Doll. But like, not only did you bounce back, but you became like significantly stronger. You became like a better actor and a creator and a director. I mean, like it's actually, it's pretty extraordinary. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> like it's just, I don't know. I mean, like, I like if like do you do you ever find yourself giving advice to people who uh, are struggling with what you struggled with like ten years ago? Uh, yeah, and I mean, like, not only um, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's a funny thing, advice, because I don't think I know I don't know that I necessarily believe in advice so much as like you know, the power that exists between two people helping each other out. Like, I, I think it's a little bit more, um, it's a dialogue. Like, um, in other words, whatever. Yeah, this conversation, otherwise I would be playing Zelda sort of like, <laughs> you know, in my own head, sure, thinking about sure. like, is there a coup? Is there not a coup? What the fuck yeah, is wrong with John sure. Voight? He was so great in Midnight <laughs> Cowboy. How the fuck did this guy get so crazy? Poor Angelina Jolie. She must be so ashamed. Oh my God, are they great? What's Pompeo doing? And like playing oh Zelda, just like living in my own head, being like, oh and I think I'm going to do it. And I guess we'll go back and we'll make that season. Should we even be making it? Is that a risk? Or what are we doing oh here? And, you know what I mean? Like wow. I'd be having my own looping thoughts. Uh, You're stressing so a, me out right now yeah. and it's your life. But you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and what does it all mean? Of that's I all, I, yes. that's all I think. And so maybe, so I guess I'm really not having children. I guess I really made that decision because uh, <laughs> that shit, ship is sailing, kid. Like, sure, you know, sure. well, and guess who did in no sit-ups today? Um, like, oh you know, so I would be like on some... So, <laughs> guess who did? Guess who did no sit-ups today? I'm gonna know, make, make it make it make into guy. a screen print. Yeah, like fucking, uh, <laughs> you know. So it's not really until like like that sort of you know. I mean, definitely one of the great lessons I learned is like don't buy the lie of the mind. Like that was another big one. I mean, I think that might even be like, yeah. a Sam Shepard play or something. The lie of the mind, like the lie of the mind. Or something yeah. Like that. yeah. And, like, don't buy the lie of the mind. Like, who I think I am in what I think is my innermost self, like, is actually just, like, somebody enjoying a state of isolation that is not yes. necessarily a true reflection of my real nature. It's quite possible that it's a truer version of me when I'm sort of, like, interfacing with you, kind of, like, yeah. you know, kicking the ball around, being like, oh, maybe that's yeah. the thing I actually believe in, you know? Um, that's the thing that I, that's the thing I've been doing lately. Cause I've had struggled with some, uh, mental health issues in the pandemic as many have. And, uh, I've been doing the cognitive therapy where I think it's this, it's this book from this book called love what is. And it's, uh, and, 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 and basically she asks you to, if you're having a f extreme feeling to ask yourself, uh, is it true and the second question is, is it definitely true? And then it's like, the third thing is, I think like, what if the reverse was true? And then <laughs> like, the, and the fourth, I think is just like, what if it weren't like, what, how would you feel if it weren't true? You know? And it's that's similar to the lie of the mind thing that you're talking about, which is like, yeah, your, your brain, the same thing that makes you create Russian doll uh, is a thing that can really get carried away. <laughs> Yeah. And take you to places that just aren't true, just simply are not true. 
Yeah, it's a wild, wild thing, you know? So it really, I mean, listen, that's what that whole show is about ultimately, right? Is like, you know, it's a character who moves from being disconnected to being connected. Like that yeah. is the journey of season one of Russian Doll. You yes. know, in many ways, like the the journey of, you know, spoiler alert of season two is like, and then what? You know what I mean? Like yes. what what comes, you know, after you've made the decision to live and, you yes. know, you're still the same person, you know, then where are you? And, um, you know, so, so, and why are you, you know, like, yeah. you know, why are we like, um, you know, like we have this like a uh, topographical map of, uh, you know, like an epigenetic footprint on all of us, you know, that is yeah. sort of like the weight of, you know, grief and joy and hope and all these things that we all carry. And like, you know, so there's, it's just, I just to say that those are all, you know, like deeply universal experiences that I think I'm really curious about. Like my, um, you know, it's sometimes I have to like, you know, remember that I'm like, oh, right. Like this is, you're just fucking this person and that's just your problem, kid. Yeah. Like, because like my diary entries, like I never knew how to keep a journal because I would write them as sort of like, um, like little like philosophy zines. And it would sort of oh, be like, yeah. you know, man entered school today. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed this idea of like, you know, existential thought life around like, what is, like, what is meaning? I mean, like the big, you know, like the book that I brought into um, season one was like Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Like that is yeah. my big question. And that's really, you know, what he says is like the secret to sort of survival is like, you know, to find something that you want to, you know, do here. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and anyway, it's just, it's, it's often really hard. Like I personally have a mind that tells me I want to do it all alone. You know what I mean? Like in the dark yeah. and it's not until, I mean, that's like been the, you know, like, I mean, my real life partners now are like, you know, Maya with this company and Amy with this show and Fred in my life. And it's like, I think it's no coincidence that like, you know, someone as dark as me needs people that <laughs> shining lights of like that level of fucking heavy hitter all time people to really, yeah, yeah. you know, feel activated into like, no, like, you know, the meaning of life is actually joy. Like, you know, because I very happily would like hang out with like, you know, Johnny Thunders and Nietzsche instead. Um, sure. So, well, well, you said this thing when we went out to dinner that night after the Broadway show. And I go like, what? I was talking to you and Fred about, do you think you might have kids? You're like, no. And you get married. Like, it, we we really, like, asked a lot of the questions. <laughs> you know, we went deep on the questions. <laughs> and it was one of those nights. Like, we just were asking all the questions. And and I go, what do you think, what do you think keeps you together? And you just said, like, Fred won't, like, let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like he, like he, like you'll be like, you'll be like, no, now this isn't working. I'm leaving, you know. And, and he'll just be like, no, no, it's okay. You know, you can go and then you can come back and and then we'll that'll be that. You know, like he's so positive and matter of fact that it actually sort of defeated your your defenses. Yeah, like he really, I, that motherfucker really loves me. I gotta tell you, I really. <laughs> And I mean, I would say in general, like, I really have friends that just, like, won't let me die. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. And, uh... Which is so much what know, the show is. Which is so much what the show yeah, is about. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly ways. what the show is about, ultimately. Because, I mean, obviously, I'm somebody... 
I mean, the friends become so key and so primary when you have no family, right? So it's like, I really am this kind of, uh, you know, um, like many people, you know, like a sort of orphan character. I just don't have that. So those relationships really become like, you know, my whole deal. And, and, um, but yeah, Fred's very, I mean, like, yeah, we can't get married because he has too many ex-wives. So, you know, uh, that's why there's too many of them, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> and it's like, you know, I feel like that's the thing he's really done to death. I mean, the thing he's never done is like a real relationship. Um, so I think this is all very exciting for him. Um, oh my God. but but yeah, I mean, he just won't let me leave. Like, like I've never. Um, I mean, he's just is like he married so more. He's married sure. more for real more than once. He was married to been, Liz Moss. Yeah, and he's been married to somebody else. It was like a punk rocker he was married to also. Oh, okay. And so he's been married twice. I think so. His third yeah. wife, right? Okay. I think he's it. like scared. Okay. He'll jinx it, and uh, you know, but like I've heard it said that basically like relationships are like you know, two people and, uh, you know, I'm holding two fingers up and sort of like, you know, one person pulls back a little bit and then the other finger has to come closer to that finger and say like, no, don't go. And then the other finger pulls back and the other person has to go and say, no, 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 don't go, you know? And like, and then, you know, that the relationship is over when like one person, one finger pulls away and then the other finger doesn't go closer. It actually pulls in the opposite direction too. And both people are kind of like, all right, peace out, fuck you too. And um, I think with Fred, every time I sort of like pull away, he just kind of comes closer. I pull away further, he just kind of comes again. <laughs> like, you he know, won't leave. He won't yeah, I'm leave. Like, like, I'm like, I'm trying to get some space here. and But he also, um, it is really like I, I've never, I don't think I've ever uh, felt, you know, I mean, I just love him so much as like a, a, a person and like respect him so much that it's like, it's hard for me to even like, you know, just like uh, think about like losing that kind of a giant, you know, to have like a shared space with. Like even when I, you know, I can't stand him, it's like I always fucking have such so much respect for him, you know. Stepping away from my conversation with Natasha Leone to send a shout out to our sponsor, Patreon. I have been admiring this company for a while. Like, I, I'm a huge believer, if you listen to the show, you know, I'm not a huge fan of studios and networks and notes from executives and all that stuff. I really believe in creative independence. And so what Patreon is, is it's a creator-founded membership platform where you, if you're an artist of any kind, can build a reliable income stream to fuel your creative independence. It's like no advertisers or algorithms or mainstream gatekeepers. It's just you doing what you love and then people uh, subscribing to it and supporting it with paid subscriptions. In return, they get more access to exclusive content. So if you're an illustrator, video creator, podcaster, artist, creative person of any kind, sign up today at patreon.com. And now back to the show. The uh, so so the so the material that I was going to run by you uh, that I'm working on for my show is all about uh, death because your show is uh, uh, I, is it a spoiler yeah. to say it's all about death? Is it a spoiler? Russian has been out for like 19 years. I know, uh, I know, it's, it's not, been out. It's not it's your problem. Out. Um, so here's I, I got some things, and also like these are like 
you know, we can run with these. We can have it bounce into another topic. We can free associate. We can sort of do anything. Like, it's just like, this is just a jumping off point. But I wrote this, this, this week, I had a surge of energy. So I free wrote on a line that I'd written like literally like three, four years ago, which is I grew up next to a cemetery. My friend Leslie and I would play in the cemetery like it was a park. And it, and it, and it really hammered home the idea that death is a, a, around us at all times and that gravestones make really great soccer goals. Like uh, like anything past the crying angels is out of bounds, and if it hits Donald Wilson, it is not a goal. It has to go between Donald Wilson and Whitney Bonaducci. And uh, so that's the first one. And, um, and then... Uh, this so, is, uh, Mike, Mike, tell me some things. First of all, I just want to say, please. I got a little emotional. I want to say thank you for being so nice to me. It's really, oh, really sweet. And you're just a stellar human being. And thank you. Oh, um, so I just want to say that. Now what I want is for you to explain to me what's happening. So, so oh, tell me oh, oh, what okay. you want so on the me. show. Okay, so, on the so show. yes, yes, tell on me. On the show, it's called Working You want out. me to tell you about the soccer goals or something? Like, <laughs> no, no, basically it's yeah. like, it's like we talk we talk out I'm working on these bits mm-hmm. and it's sort of like <laughs> it's really funny um, <laughs> tell me about the soccer goals um, it is it's it's sort of like it's sort of like it's sort of like honest feedback about like which I which by the way you're great at being just candid and honest and sort of like yeah you you'd, you could literally be like yeah it doesn't that doesn't grab me <laughs> but maybe this other thing might grab me like and and like like for example like i just said the soccer goals thing it didn't seem to sort of get you and so i was looking around going huh maybe i'll mention this thing which is about a different topic you know mm-hmm. but it, within the same universe of death does that make sense that's if you're curious, that's not the thought that I was having. Um, okay, I, the thought I was having was I was remembering that other show you did with was a sleepwalk with me, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, I was, yeah. and I was like, oh, right, I was like, Mike's about to pull out some Bogosian shit, and so that's actually oh, oh, like a longer story, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, that's what Eric Bogosian is so great at, and what I was so struck by when I saw your first show, sure, at that sure. smaller theater that time in the village. Um, yeah, yeah, the so I was like, oh, he's gonna, he, he's gonna hit it up. All right, so I'm ready. I'm all ears. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Actually, I wasn't planning to tell you this, but but since you're sort of asking me to tell you something a little potentially more substantive, um, I'll tell you this story. Um, and I'll just I'll just give this person a fake name. Uh, uh, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. His name was Ant. Let's say his name was Ant- <laughs> Dolly Parton. <laughs> His name was his name was Anthony. It was like his name was Anthony. It was like he was a close friend of the family, and he was just like one of these people who uh, they would come over for Christmas and holidays, and he was just like a life of the party kind of guy. Like he would always give us like these gift, like the kind of person like at Christmas who would like give you like a Swiss Army knife. Like you shouldn't give a kid a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> <laughs> but he'd like give us like these awesome extravagant sort of like gifts and he was sort of like rich when, when you'd ring his doorbell it would be like bing bong bing bong you know like we had never it should just go like ding ding and then uh when i was in college he passed away and i came home from college and i went to the funeral it was a 
and and we afterwards we went to like my godfather's house and everyone started drinking we were in the back in like one of these like behind someone's house it was like a shed that they turned into like a game room kind of thing with like a pool table and everyone starts drinking and then like a few hours later they're like everyone's still drinking and then like <laughs> a couple hours out it's like everyone is still drinking and it's like people are drunk like really drunk and like like teenagers and it was and it and it was the first time in my whole life where it hit me that that no one can handle death it makes me very happy i really uh, i i i like that you're thinking about all this i mean it's so weird death is so so weird it's, yeah it's like so weird that you're supposed to just keep chugging along and you know that you're going to die and then you have all these things that you think you're supposed to do but you know you're going to die the whole time it's so yeah. so weird uh you know fred uh, uh for his birthday for for his maybe it was his 50th birthday we all pitched in and we bought him a a plot you know at the hollywood oh my gosh, cemetery really? yeah oh my gosh. and then and then we got in this uh this fight cuz i was like uh, you know I'm out of here. What are you talking about? Well, where's my plot? You obviously don't want to spend eternity with me. I got oh my God. All your friends oh together. Gosh. We bought you a plot. Where's my plot? Oh my God. I'm such a bad person. I forgot that he actually bought me a plot for my birthday. I got into the oh same fight my with gosh. him <laughs> again. Like, and, and, so, and, so and are your months. plots side by side? I think I. I don't know. I think so. I just like. I think I just wanted the fight, not the plot itself. I don't know the answer. You'd have to ask Fred. I think so. So I'm going to tell you a different story uh, based on what you're saying also, um, which is like that what you're locking into about my stuff is the stories. And so I'll tell you another sort of, again, it's sort of a half-baked story, but it is about death and it's, and it's, I'll give you like a, a wider sense of what I'm attempting to do within the next show. And it's not dissimilar from Russian Doll. It, I'm attempting to create a show that's like 90 minutes of like hard, hard laughs, but all about death and the darkest topics one could, could write about. And so I feel like it could be like a, 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 a like a cathartic thing for people to to laugh about it. But anyway, this is the, but interspersed are the things like the story I just told you about being drunk at that funeral, and like how no one can face death. And then I have this story, which is uh, in eighth grade I went to leadership camp. <laughs> That's how nerdy I was as a kid. Um, and I met this girl at leadership camp and we became really close and we stayed in touch over the years. And she, um, she always said that there was something that she didn't want to talk about and her made, made her like deeply sad. And we would talk about like really, really, really candid stuff. But, but whenever she would think of this thing, it was like, it was almost like a heavy blanket. And, and one night I said to her, I, I, I said, you know, you can tell me like whatever it is. Like she was really upset. Like what, whatever it is, you can tell me. And through tears, uh, she said, my dad tried to commit suicide. 
And I said, that has nothing to do with you. And I, I hugged her and I felt terrible uh, because she said it like her dad had killed someone. And in a way, it, it was like he had uh, because he tried to kill her dad. I mean, that's very heavy. I've never thought of it that way. I don't know, has yeah. anybody ever put it that way? I, I don't wonder. know. I mean, I, I wrote I it down. I feel like that's the first time I've ever heard it that. Is, I was saying earlier, like, what's a memory you have on a loop? And, um, and that's like an exercise that I do with my writing. And like that, that's a story that I can never shake is, is this idea of my friend as a, when I was a kid saying like her dad tried to commit suicide. <clears throat> Like nothing happened. I'm still here. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but 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 that's a that's a memory on a loop that I have. But like that's so heavy that like she, she he tried to kill her dad. I know because it really also. I mean that's that's a big idea because it really speaks to just th that experience of like also like how much her dad must have hated himself in that moment and he totally lost sight of the fact that like. To her, he was a totally different person. It really speaks to the duality of the human experience, you know, that yeah. to himself he was nothing and to her he was everything. I'll end on this one last, these are two quick jokes that are <laughs> much less heavy just to end on a lighter note. But uh, uh, one is uh, there a few years ago in... In 2012, an American man died uh, in a cockroach eating competition. Uh, does Does anyone want to guess which part of Florida he was from? It was uh, Deerfield Beach, Florida, and the event was put on by a local reptile shop. Um, and And by the way, on some of these deaths, <laughs> by the way, on some of these death certificates, I feel like they could just write other. <laughs> So that's one. That's one. real. True that's story. True story. See, I found it on CNN. I found it on CNN. You know, a lot of it is, and you know, a lot of it was this week. I was just sort of like free associating because it shows thematically about death. So I was, I was just googling like strange ways that people die, and so I found like a story of like someone who died laughing, literally. <laughs> it, you know, in in Britain. In 1975, a guy went into cardiac arrest watching a BBC sketch comedy show. And the, the best punchline I could come up with is, which really goes to show you, they're just making better comedies in Britain. <laughs> but, but, which I don't think we'll make it in the show, but I think it's a fun, it's a fun throwaway. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I, and then, you know, I, I, uh, I, and then I, I found one. It's like a thousand people in the U.S. die each year with con from contact with a powered lawnmower, which is a eulogy that writes itself, like Frank loved mulch, and now Frank <laughs> is mulch. <laughs> okay. yeah, I like that one. Yeah, we'll end on that. That seems fun. Now Frank is... Frank you know, is mulch. Frank is mulch. <laughs> That's a good name for the show. Frank is mulch. 
<laughs> Frank is mulch. That is good. I like that. That's a solid title. Frank is mulch. <laughs> I mean, you know, certainly it's a T-shirt. I mean, if, the, if that line makes it into the show, Frank is mulch is like a good sort of like you're you're in the club if you know what this line means, kind of thing. Yeah. Stepping away from my chat with Natasha Leone to send a shout out to Bicycle Coffee. Uh, I think it's really important that we support uh, local businesses right now. I think that's a huge thing. I've been tweeting about it and posting on Instagram about it. Uh, Bicycle Coffee reached out because they're a company that is in Oakland. It's a family business that started in 2009. Uh, They have amazing coffee. And since the pandemic, they started shipping. So now they do fast and free shipping on all orders. Uh, BicycleCoffeeCo.com. They have light roast, medium roast, dark roast, espresso blend, decaf. They have subscriptions. I have I have a coffee subscription for the first time in my life. Uh, I think you'll love it. Save 15% on your next order when you use discount code BURBIGS. And now back to the show. Okay, so the, the final thing is um, a, a nonprofit. Is, is there a nonprofit that you know of or you didn't donate to in the past that you that you like that you think they're doing good work? And then I will uh, I will donate to them uh, this week. Love it. And uh, the two places I'm very hot for um, <laughs> are uh, the women the Women's Prison Association uh, because Great. of you know orange you know so they really like. Um, help help uh, female prisoners get back out into life. Um, and uh, it's like uh, Piper Kerman is very involved with them. And then I also Oh, that's love, wonderful. Um, the Lower East Side Girls Club, because it's yes. my, uh, you know, home state. So I... Yes, I, um, my sister Gina, my sister Gina uh, volunteered for them uh, for many years when she lived yeah, in Brooklyn. Such that's a, a great place. organization. Yes, such a I, I will. Place. I will be thrilled. I will be thrilled to donate to both. The of those. only planetarium on the Lower East Side is in that Lower East well, Side Girls Club. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, well, this has been great. This, this has like been great. Real, see, this is why I don't need therapy, honey. I got you. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out, there's no... That was another episode of Working It Out. How about that, Natasha Leone? That is a completely brilliant and fascinating person. Uh, if you haven't seen Russian Doll, watch it. Uh, look out for season two. If you haven't seen the Sarah Cooper special, Everything's Fine, watch it. Those are all on Netflix. Our producers of Working It Out are myself along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Consulting producer Seth Barish. Sound mix by Kate Belinsky. Assistant editor Mabel Lewis. Thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz as well as Marissa Hurwitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff for his music. And by the way, congratulations for his multiple Grammy nominations. That guy... When he is not writing the music for Working It Out, he is keeping busy with people like Taylor Swift. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Our book, The New One, is at your local bookstore. Support your local bookstores. And always a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created a radio fort. We just announced more virtual Working It Out shows at the end of December, the day after Christmas. 
Get your tickets at burbigs.com. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your enemies on all of those en- enemy websites. We're working it out. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>